What's going on, crew? Hope everybody's well and, of course, having a fantastic week. Slight delay on getting this episode out to you guys. Just a few things taking priority with the next few episodes, hopefully coming to you in a much faster turnaround. So stay tuned with us for those. This week's guest, though, crew, however, is Mr. Dean Dorr. Dean is the owner of DMD Concrete and Construction, and he specializes in all forms of concrete and construction, ranging from driveways, paths, and retaining walls to drainage, decks, and fences. Dean prides himself on providing friendly, efficient, and professional service, and he boasts 15 years of experience in the civil and construction industries. Expect to learn Dean's story of how he permanently left his job to pursue his dream of starting and operating his own civil construction business business, the initial and ongoing challenges associated with running a business, what to consider when it comes to ensuring the quality of concreting in your upcoming project, why the misconception of achieving success through unnecessary business loans could lead to a disastrous outcome, and the realities of waking up on the first day of owning your very own business. Crew, starting a business in just about any industry is going to have its challenges. One of the things I liked about this conversation with Dean was just how upfront he was about facing those challenges and basically going through what he felt, what he experienced, all the things that he had to go through from day one of when he first opened his eyes and realized that he'd quit the nine to five employee life to start running his own business. That being said, crew, let's welcome Mr. Dean Dorr. How are you going tonight, mate? Good, big fella. How are we, mate? Mate, I'm just uh, stoked to sit down and have a bit of a conversation with you and uh, really appreciate you coming on and taking a little bit of, I know you're a very busy man these days, and uh, just take a little bit of time out to, to come and talk to us on the show and tell us a little bit about what you're doing. So, uh, mate, what what do you do with your time? Who are you and what do you do? Uh, run a small uh, run a small concreting business. Uh, started a few years ago, so... She keeps me on my toes pretty well, just running around on my own. So, What's, uh, yeah, she's pretty good. What made you go into concreting? So, you know, like you, you mentioned building there as well. Like you've obviously got a, a bunch of uh, skills up your sleeve. Like what made you sort of go down the uh, concreting route? I just enjoyed it more. So, yeah, like I'm a qualified builder and everything like that. But uh, I got into concreting probably, uh, I, got, I got trained up probably like 10 years ago now. And yeah, I just enjoyed it. Enjoyed outside life. The appreciation you get from you know the visuals of concreting when you get a really nice job and stuff like that. Yeah, the challenge of it at the time. I feel like it's one of those things. Like I don't know. Like you'd know obviously way more about it than I would. But to be a concreter, like for somebody to turn up and say, "Hey, I actually want to do concreting for a profession." What do people like need to do? What's the avenue to get into concreting? Is it something you learn on the side of another trade, or is it literally like a separate trade in itself? Oh, look, a bit of both. So when I did my apprenticeship as a carpenter builder, they do sublets of, of concreting in them. So you do a few courses of concreting as well. But look, if you want to be a genuine concreter and you want to be good at what you do, it's just experience, man. Like that's what it comes down to. If you want to get into it, you need to just jump in with a good crew, try and get an apprentice. Like they don't really do apprenticeships. They, yeah, jump in with a good concreting crew if you can and just start from the bottom, work your way up. And, and just really learn 
you know, learn the steps as you, as you go through. A lot of people just go, oh, dumb concreters or whatever, you know, it's just a sort of that sort of thing. But it actually can be very, very technical to get, mm. you know, good high-quality work that's going to last the last the stance of time. To me, you mentioned like, you know, get in, get in with a good um, concreting crew initially to, you know, build up your skills. What would you define as like a good concreting team? Like for people listening to the show that have maybe thought, in, thought about going into concreting or maybe you're just looking for a different career option, is there something that they could look yeah. out for like if they're looking for a mentor or mentors in that space of like hey i need to learn these skills what uh what sort of things would sort of make up a good crew in your eyes that question's a bit of a tricky one because i've almost contradicted myself there by saying crew the the way i got taught and stuff i was actually just with one one guy an older guy and he was very good he was he was very hard on me but yeah he was very good that wasn't a big crew or anything like that Mm. i learned that way sort of almost one-on-one yeah, but you do have your bigger crews. If you want to, like, if you have goals and you want to be something or be someone, you've really got to get that one-on-one time with people and learn things, have them actually teach you stuff rather than, you know, sometimes with a bigger crew you might just be treated as a labourer as such and just sort of, you know, sort of used and abused for your time. But I'm not sure. Like, it's, it's kind of a tricky one. I was lucky in the sense of, of the way I came through and what I got to learn. And it wasn't just off him either. I learned, you know, over the years at a couple of different companies as well, different techniques. Every, like every concreter will do things different, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Like there's, there's, you know, ways of boxing, there's ways of stealing, there's, you know, everything. Everybody does things differently. So, yeah, if you're trying to get into the game, you know, just reputation's a good thing. Check out things. If the company's been around for a while, then you know that they're probably going to be pretty good. If they're busy, they're going to be pretty good. Like, Do you get many people that, uh, you know, sort of decide, hey, you know, this is something that I think I can kind of do and sort of try and fumble their way into the industry? Like you mentioned there's like obviously some like a good concrete and crew is one that's been around for a while. They've got a good reputation. They're busy. I feel like, I don't know why I feel this way because you know me, like I don't have any experience in this space at all. But like, would I be right in saying that it is one of those industries that you do have those sort of, I'll call them pretenders, but those guys that go, hey, yeah, look, there's a quick buck to be made here. I can uh, try and rustle this together and, and try and put something together with, with concreting. Is that something you see very often or am I a bit off the mark? Yeah. No, no, to be honest, man, it's you see it all too often, to be honest, because that's the thing is like you, you get these guys that will go and be like a, a screed hand or, or, or a, sh- a shoveler or a raker or something like that and they'll, they'll have a bit of a go on the screed and they'll go, oh, this is pretty easy and then they'll sort of see someone do a bit of finishing or something like that and they'll go, oh, this is pretty easy. And to be honest, over the few years that – particularly since I started my business as well because I do keep an eye on things like see who's doing what and where like mm. you know I, I don't it doesn't bother me but I do keep an eye on things and I, I've seen some disgusting work over the years you know stuff that if you did you'd be disgusted in yourself and yeah most of these guys at these as you say pretenders the guys that come in and just they've gone and done it for 10 minutes and they think oh concreting's a piece of piss I can do that and then it all comes down to knowledge and experience and everything and, and when the you know, when the cookie crumbs, 
they they no good, mate. Like, and then the worst part is, is yeah, you get poor people, you know, because concrete's expensive. You know, the material it's expensive material wise, gravel, steel, concrete, you know, pumps, blokes, everything. It's it's quite an expensive experience. So if you get someone who who mucks it up, it's it's really shit, especially for the people that are paying for it. Like, and yeah, it it does annoy a lot of people to see these pretenders rolling around. And, yeah, look, they come and they go pretty quickly. They get found out pretty quick. But, yeah, you do see them, man. What can people look out for for people that, you know, maybe uh, are sitting there, maybe they've, they've recently got a concreting job done or maybe they're thinking about getting a concreting job done? I mean, if it was me, I would have a rough idea sort of of what I'm looking at. But for most people and, yeah. and probably myself, again, in, to a degree as well, like I don't know the ins and outs of concrete production. What sort of things can people yeah. like keep an eye on as a consumer and go, you know what, that's not up to spec or, you know, raise an alarm bell and maybe get it looked at by somebody else. Is there some things that you'd look for particularly? Like would it be concrete cracking and stuff like that? Yeah, look, concrete cracking is a whole different fiasco, gotcha. <laughs> unfortunately. Concrete concrete does crack. It, it, there's not a thing we can do about it. There's just preventatives, but that's that's a whole different matter. But look, yeah, look, if, you, if, you, if someone's doing a job for you and you kind of think, oh, I'm not sure what's going on, you've got to look for the basics like, Prep work is the start. So if they're not putting gravel down, if they're not digging dirt out and putting gravel down and they're just sort of, you know, laying concrete on dirt and things like that, or if they're building big fill piles up with gravel and not compacting it, stuff like that, generally concrete is concrete, so it's a hard product obviously, but it does still depend on what it's laid on. So, you know, a good base will mean good concrete in the long run if you know what i mean like good good stability so you know prep work prep work's a big one um look if you've got you know steeper sort of places pits and things like that you know water's a big problem with concrete mm. a lot of people don't really think about it too much but you know you go ahead and lay a driveway and you don't put any pits or anything in to catch the water well where's the water going is it going into old mate's house next door is it going into your own front lawn like what's it actually doing and then on top of that you've also got all the council rules and stuff there are which are quite quite strong and heavy with it as well but yeah look prep prep works a big one man like if, if you're not seeing people put good good base down and compact it and stuff like that 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 would swing alarm bells in as like because that's that's a first off type thing that would that would swing me straight away and go boy what's going on here got you now a bit of a selfish question i've got a shed at home and it's basically a seven by seven meter and it's a concrete base but it's got an open uh front i've taken the open front off it because a boat fits under there um obviously because it's got an open front so no doors you have rain that comes in onto the concrete is that an issue for concrete like how resistant is concrete to water like if there's a bit of like obviously i don't have drainage in a shed it's a flat surface do you know what i mean but then it just dries and that's yeah is that anything to worry about or not really no not for concrete itself so yeah water driveways you know everything like that water water doesn't affect it Mm. it just it'll just move around as such so it doesn't affect the actual concrete product itself i think the only time you get problems man is like yeah when you've got driveways and you know you steep or shapes or whatever Mm. and water then has to move but it doesn't it doesn't affect the actual integrity of the concrete the only time water can really affect the integrity of concrete is when you're pouring it so if it rains while you're pouring it it sort of powders up and, and, and you don't get a good finish and stuff like that on it, but it can actually weaken it. But look, after the fact, yeah. And look, with with a shed like yours, mate, I mean, you could just seal it anyway. 
but mm. yeah, if I was you, I'd bang, try and bang a lean-to or something on out the front just to sort of keep it off it a bit, but maybe yeah. some temporary barn doors or something. Yeah, no, thanks for the advice, mate. Sorry I did ask that bit of a selfish question, but uh, look, I'm interested in uh, <laughs> in you, you know, the man, the driver behind the business, DMD uh, Construction. Talk to us a little bit about your journey. So I know that you mentioned before you were an employee for another company. You obviously learned a bunch of skills across a few different areas. At what point did you decide, right, that's it, I'm going to go out on my own and make something of, of concreting? And and why concreting? Like what was it about concreting that sort of made you go, that's that's the thing that I want to focus on? You sort of know my life story a bit, so we won't get too hectic into it. But the reason why I started it was kind of just happened. So as you know, so I started, I, I left my job about three weeks after I'd just gone back to work after a, a severe severe accident that happened to myself. So I was off work for I think eight months, eight or nine months. Basically, I had a boat fall on top of me, mm. broke my back, split my sternum in half, spent mm. eight, nine months in a, in a full body brace, hospital, you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, I went back to work. It, it, or in that time, in that time of, of that period of not being able to do anything, which which killed me because I'm a, like, I like to keep active. But in that time, I did a lot of, I don't know, soul searching maybe. I guess, I guess you'd call it thinking, personal thinking, I suppose. Um, yeah, I went back to work for, I went back to work for three weeks or four weeks and I just couldn't do it. I got mm-hmm. sick of other people telling me how to live my life five days out of the seven a week. And what built up to me actually, like being able to do that was um, I was doing a lot of work on weekends. So I was doing side jobs, if you like, on, on weekends and stuff like that. And that so that helped me build up to it as well. So I'd sort of had a small understanding of dealing with people and customers and stuff and that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and I just got to a point where I just I just had enough. I got basically sick of I don't know being told what to do all my life. So I just I walked I, that day. I made the decision. Yeah, made that decision that day, man. I, I just walked in. I got a friend of mine to type up the resignation, and I just went bang. There she is. I had nothing. I basically had no money because I just spent like nearly a year off. Used all my holidays, sick leave. I I, I started DMD on a whim with. Pretty much nothing. I think I had three or four grand in my bank. That was about it. So and what a, it was a pretty ballsy decision. One hundred percent, definitely. And you know, a, a, an absolute you know tribute to you and and a credit to you as a person for the success that it's had. What do you think for those people that because I know talking now to many many different industries and you know even on the show we've had so many different careers and businesses come on and and have a conversation and one of the things that is apparent to me after talking to some people before the show and after shows that they are in a similar position to as you described they're fed up with their current situation and they are looking for i guess an alternative route something else to do where they've got a bit more control over their day-to-day life what do you think is I guess two questions I've got around that is, you know, what do you think is the big differences that you found going from that sort of employee mindset, you know, turning up, working for an hourly rate uh, and then going into a, I guess, a business owner mentality as the first question. And then the second question around that is, what advice do you have um, for people around actually skilling up in order to, you know, manage those new responsibilities in business? Because I can only imagine that, you know, when you're getting paid an hourly rate, you get a pay packet. 
um, everything's done for you, money turns up, taxes taken out, all of that stuff. Like, and now now suddenly you're in control of of your financial situation and, and sort of need to to manage all of that. What what advice do you have for people around that as well? With the second question, you know, sort of you, you know, sort of skilling up as such. Look, from my experience, as far as you know, like all the the taxes and the ins and outs and invoice, like even just things from invoicing to quoting, like you know, quoting's critical because if, if if we're quoting a job as such, or if I'm quoting a job as such, and you miss a couple of things out, you could end up doing that whole job basically for nothing. You know, like so. It's me personally. I just learnt on. I learnt as I went. Legit. I made. I made some mistakes early on. Um, there was a couple of jobs early on where you know I sort of. I just made wages. I never really lost on a job, but there were, there were jobs when I missed things, lost things, you know, like. But, yeah, I, I sort of learnt. I learnt just because I had to, I suppose. I made that decision to go and start a business. So um, I had some good, really good friends, Amanda and a couple of others. Um, they really helped me get the financial side under control, I guess, like sort of get give me an idea of what I need to do, how to do things and stuff. But, yeah, look, but most of it was pretty much just me learning as as I went, mate. To be honest, um, yeah. Look, I made some mistakes early on, but yeah, he's kind of got to stick with it. The mind shift is is at the start. To to put it to put it precisely, what I went through, I guess, is is at the start, I was just pumped. Like I'd made this big decision. The adrenaline was pumping. The you know the sort of I had the work ready to go for the first couple of months, which was really exciting. And, and you know, sort of the first day going from, I don't know, it was a strange feeling going from not having to drive to this other place and answer to these other guys to going, okay, I'm going to this job. But then it was also a headache too, because I was like, oh, do I have this organized? Do I have that organized? Like, what's, it's quite a substantial change. Like, you know, like at my last job, I used to run smaller jobs and stuff like that. So it wasn't, you know, it wasn't hugely different, but it was tricky to start with, man. Like, yeah, and the mindset can be quite tricky, you know, and just everything, you know, making sure you're still routines, you know, getting up and going to work and actually doing it, not just going, oh, I can't bother today or whatever. Like, actually having that drive to, to do it. Yeah, look, the first first couple of months, man, I struggled uh, in, in a sense, you know, just just trying to get things figured out, trying to work things out. It was it was it just with all of it, even the financial stuff and everything, man. You know, probably took me six months to my first year before I really started getting the business sort of tuning. Like you just you never stop you never stop learning if you know what I mean. Like it's just constant, but. Yeah, it was quite tricky to start with if, if that's sort of what you're chasing there, like, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess um, also, like, you know, you mentioned one of the interesting things for me that you said there was, you know, that idea that you're having to still force yourself to get up. And, you know, it sounds to me that one of the big shifts that you had was this idea of, okay, like, I've got to be somewhere, but when I get to that somewhere, everything is organised for me. Even when you're working for yeah. yourself, you not only – um, are in charge of when you arrive. You, you know, you you need to have self accountability in order to turn up. But then when you get there, you're also recognizing that you know, hey, not everything's done, like it was as an employee, where a lot of that background stuff's been done for you. And now you're having to think yeah. to the micro level of, hey, are all the details, are all the ducks in a row, so that yeah. you know that job can can be quoted and uh, then completed successfully is kind of the the message that I got from what yeah. you're saying. Yeah, initially it's a big like it is a big change. Like 
yeah, you know, it's, it's exactly exactly what you're saying. You know, you go from you go from ha- like having support, if you like. You know, I had bosses above me. I had workers underneath me. You go from having support to going to it's just you. Mm. I, di- I didn't have any employees or anything when I started. Obviously, I was just doing it on myself. It, it got quite hectic. Got quite stressful. My mind would constantly just be swirling but the problem with that was if you don't if you're not running a clear mind which i wasn't when i started you make mistakes you you forget this and the, and the problem is if, if you forget something if you need to if you need to get the steel there on a certain day so you can get that done so you can pour it on another certain day and you forget to ring that make that phone call just that one simple little phone call you forget to make that all of a sudden it can just blow your whole job out and then on top of that if you're already booked out for weeks or months or an end it can really stuff up your timeline so yeah, I learned in the early days, mate, that uh, organisation was was absolutely critical, and I just had to learn. You know, I learned the hard way, definitely a few times. But yeah, you do just have to learn to get that under control. Um, it's it's really important. Would you ever go back to working for somebody else? Not for a while, definitely not. I, I mean, I I, I okay. love what I've done. I, I I've been look DMD has been going for two and a half years, which. To the bulk of it, I've done on my own. I've had employees sort of drift in, drift out, but nothing that's sort of substantial. But why wouldn't I you love go what back? I've built, and I would love to. Keep... Why wouldn't you go back? Oh, I just, I don't know. I like, I do love the freedom of it. So, I mean, you know yourself. You know how many times have you asked me to come fishing with you and stuff, and I'm like, oh, I can't. I'm working, man. Like, um, but that that's all just sort of organisation stuff. But I probably could one day. Certainly not now. Concreting, concreting does have a, a timeline on your body. It, it's not a, like it's not an easy job. It, it's pretty savage. I don't know. Not right now. I couldn't go back. I, I couldn't work for someone else. Not not doing this. I, I I thrive on the challenge now. I love it. I love you know everything that's involved with what what I have to do and what I've built and everything that's involved. So yeah, one I couldn't go back to working for someone else right now because. I just I wouldn't deal with it to start with. We would clash like no tomorrow, and I I, I enjoy it too much, man. I, I really do. Like, yeah, I, I love doing what I'm doing. What about yeah. the more obvious uh, question around money? So, without you know giving everybody your uh, exact situation financially, I know that uh, you've obviously been very successful in your job because I've you know spent time with you outside of this conversation, uh, you know, in your business and. For people that are thinking, hey, you know, this is this is it. I'm I'm done with being an employee. I'm sick of the nine to five. I want to go out there and chase what I want to do. Obviously, every person is different. But for you personally, what sort of multiplication factor are we talking about in terms of your financial situation, either in a negative or positive way? And how much did going out on your own affect your financial situation, both in the first in- instance where you had to obviously buy things that you needed to run the business and now having had yep. all of those things purchased in a much more stable position. To answer that really shortly, but I'll, I'll get into it, but yeah, to answer that really shortly, I didn't really start making money until probably a year and a half in, if not a bit more. Is um, that stressful? You know, the first... Well, yes and no, because it was just because I was building the business. So I knew in my head I had a ga- I had a game plan. So I wanted to get this, this, and this by these sort of dates. 
So I would just I would save up for that, build up for that. I'm I don't like loans or anything, so I don't do loans. I would sooner go and hire something or whatever up until the point when I needed and then I could buy it and, and, and go from there. But yeah, look, at the start, man, like I said, I started the business with like three or four grand. And, and you know, probably even after the first two or three months, I might have had ten or 15 mm. at a maximum and then like i got hit with my first gst bill and all that kind of stuff it was all very financially it was all very realistic then at that point but then you know you buy bits and pieces as you go and it just for me personally I, it just slowly built slowly built you know just a couple you know 100 bucks there at a time a couple of grand here at a time you know you do work hard for it and at the start the first six months it feels like you're not getting anywhere like well, it did for me anyway. I mean, look, I had I had a fair bit of gear to get me going anyway because I've been concreting for a long time, not just before here, but so I had a lot of my own stuff as well. But yeah, look, it, for the first six six to eight months, I would say it was it was slow. It felt very slow. It felt like I was getting nowhere. It felt like every dollar that came in went back out to pay this bill, that bill, pay you know, buy this, buy that, whatever. But yeah, it sort of got to that year, year and a half mark, and. Um, it just, it just sort of, I sort of started getting the allotment of gear that I needed and everything just sort of started coming together and then started making money, I guess, in, in a sense, you know, we don't, I don't make huge amounts of money, but I was always, I was always clever with it. I would never go down the loans road. Big thing for concreters actually, if someone is thinking about going out on their own, you can make good money if you want to work for it. That's, that's pretty much how it goes. But a lot of guys go out there and it undoes them real quick because they go out there and they start making this good money, but they're not investing it back into the business. They're just going and buying stupid shit like cars or boats or, you know, whatever, going spending it on piss or whatever. They waste a lot of it. And then I've seen a lot of guys come undone real quick because then the monthly bills come out, then the GST comes in and they I've seen a lot of guys go up, go upside down pretty quick if you're not clever with your money as, as you start. And, yeah, I really wanted to make this work. So I did it really hard to start with, really hard. But, yeah, it's it's finally starting to take hold and I'm starting to get somewhere. So, you know, it's just it's called patience and takes time, really. But, yeah, it was it was bloody hard at the start, man. Oh, I won't lie. It was it was tricky. Mm. And I think there's an yeah. illusion today. Like, I don't know why, why or how this comes about. I think it's from – my opinion is that it might come across from some of these, like, social media platforms and stuff like that where you see these guys that, you know, rock up in a Lamborghini or, you know, the, the brand new Hilux or whatever and, you know, all the latest gadgets and gear. But what you don't see is – how much of it's on loan, how much of it do they actually own at all, how much of it is like genuinely even like has has anything to do with their business or, you know, have they have they gone and hired it for the occasion. And there's sometimes I think there's this illusion that like, you know, when you start a business, especially for young people I think coming through thinking about starting a business, there's this sort of like illusion or facade that happens where it's like, oh, you know, he's, yeah, he's got his own business, you know, must be killing it. But as you said, like the reality in that first six to 12 months is often really different and, and obviously that's even like for some, that's actually like quite a short period of time to get back up on your feet like for others. Um, I know guys that sat, you know, pretty much at what they were making as an employee for two, three, four years before things started turning over for them. And, you know, in that time, it's so easy to pull the pin and just go, right, I've, uh, 
you know, I've given yeah. this a go, I'm out, but the rewards lay hidden, it seems. Yeah, look, man, it, it's funny. Look, when I started, you know, to be honest, I, I got sucked into that too for a while. I, I really yeah, did, right. like, you know, for the first because I knew what I was, you know, I knew what I could make if I really wanted to put my head up, head down, ass up, and get stuck into it. You know, for the for the first little while before I sort of started, I had I had that you know image of oh I'm gonna I'm gonna smash this. I'll have a truck and a digger within six months. I'll have a brand new ram and I'll have this and I'll have that. And yeah, it was quite funny, you know, speaking <laughs> of that. And a lot of people, you know, a lot of people see that, but they they a lot of people don't see also what actually goes into it. You know, what 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 what's involved in running it and stuff like that. So, and you know, you see these concrete, yeah, or not 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 just concrete companies, construction companies, or or anyone for that instance. You know, someone driving around a nice brand new uh, Ram or, or Silverado or something like that. Nine times out of ten, they're they're probably just on loan as a business loan it's just a write-off for the business you know stuff like that and people it's really easy for people to get the wrong idea and i look i, I got sucked in i did for a while i'm glad that i i didn't go down a stupid road like that and i'm glad that i stuck to my guns and and just kept everything rolling and did the right thing money financially because you know two, two and a half years later i can sit here now and i i own everything i need so I, i've got no, no no loans no debts no oh, i've got a mortgage but Jeez, everyone's got one of them pretty much. But yeah, um, it. yeah, if you, you can make a business work because you know, this like you say, man, there's so many functions in a business. It's it's not only getting out of bed to go and do the job, or you know, doing a good job, dealing with customers in an ac- acceptable manner. You know, being polite and and if they want something, that that's what they should get. You shouldn't steer them clear from that person. You know, people skills are quite quite big. I think making a good impression but you know yeah there's just a, there's, there's a lot that can go wrong if, you, if you're not really careful about how you go about it definitely and yeah look like i said man i, I got sucked into that for a little bit that you know the visions of this that and the other and yeah i'm glad it glad it wafted out of my head pretty quickly yeah, <laughs> i probably nice. wouldn't be anywhere except for in debt now it's a, <laughs> a sign of maturity i'm sure because uh you know i always think about when people start a business the success of it i believe actually stems not just from the hard work they do obviously that's a huge driver but i've got this new belief now after talking to so many people and that is like the success of it actually also hinges on the maturity of somebody's mental age when they start the business like you see a lot of these young guys um, and girls you know they start things far too young and you know they just don't have the same life experience as somebody who's gone through and and tried a few different bits and pieces and even even guys that have been in as an employee in any industry they've just done that their whole life there's there's something missing they're so they're almost institutionalized you know, it's like those guys that are in jail and they, they become yeah. institutionalised in the jail and, and it's what they've come to know. Anything yeah. outside of that yeah, box becomes, or thinking laterally or yeah. any of that stuff is sort of, yeah, they can't they can't sort of fathom anything else but that, that uh, business. So I think the mental age of somebody and like your own maturity when you start something is, uh, yeah, a big, big contributing factor. Like there's no way that I could have ever started anything oh. at 18 trusting myself at that time. Yeah, yeah, look. Oh, look, absolutely, mate. I wouldn't have been able to start this when I was twenty-five. You know, I would have went out and done my first job and and got my first invoice back through, and I would have went, "You beauty, help me out," and yeah. went and got on the piss for a week, like you know, 
Yeah. <laughs> maturity is bad. It, 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 like, you know, mat- maturity and just that smartness, I guess, of, of, you know, being able to make the right decisions, I suppose. Mm. Um, but, yeah, matur- maturity is massive. Like, you know, I started at 31. I started deemed at 31 or 32. So, yeah, I was probably about the right age, really. I mean, I know guys that have got their own little concreting businesses and stuff that are sort of 27, 28, and, and they're going pretty well. But, they, again, they're not, you know, it's not like they're 18 or anything stupid and they're not making stupid decisions. And what um, You mentioned customer service and, you know, building a good relationship with your customers. Is there any sort of tips or advice that you have for people that are, you know, I guess trying to build rapport with customers? Because I think I agree with you in that, you know, this is a people game at the end of the day. Like the more people you can, I hate to uh, hate to use the word like win over, but the more people you can relate to and the more people that can see that you're genuine in what you're doing and that you somehow have a feeling of trust, obviously that's going to work in your favour and theirs. How do you how do you go about building that? Is there some things that you do that you, you think would uh, benefit people when it comes to sort of building those relationships? Yeah, look, when I started, mate, like when I started, you know, I, I've I've done some really big jobs, and all my work's private. I don't I don't do much for builders or anything like that. I, I like to just stay on my level, which is down doing the private stuff, you know, the good stuff. Trust, trust. This is the thing. I've done some really big jobs. You know, I've I've done some jobs over a hundred thousand. Just for I wouldn't say average Joe because it's not like I could afford a hundred thousand dollar driveway, but. I've done some really, really hog jobs and trust is massive. Trust and knowledge of what you're doing is massive. And it's not necessarily like I don't try and win customers over. I just go there and and just be straight with them. You just got to be honest with them, be friendly and be straight. And you've got to, I wouldn't say convince, but you've got to sort of let them know that you know what you're doing. You're not just some north that's, you know, fly by night or something. I wouldn't say convincing. You've just got to know what you're doing. If somebody's going to spend that amount of money, and I think to myself, if someone was doing that job for me, I would want to make sure that I get the right person that knows what they're doing, they know the ins and outs and everything. So, and you know, big jobs and stuff like that, mate, there can be a lot of factors, you know. There can be council regs. There can be water, you know, water situations, lots of water, you know. Do I need to put a curb here? Do I need to – what do I need to do to do this? And the big thing I do to try and make people feel comfortable is even if they don't understand what I'm talking about, I will try and run them through it anyway and, you know, trying to try, just trying to explain to them what I would do there, what I would do over there, how I would do this, how we should do this. And then I'll wait for their feedback. So if they go, oh, I don't really like that idea, that's going to not look good or that's not going to, that's not what we want. All right, no worries. Let's, let's come up with something else then. Let's try and, let's try and work with it. I, I would rather work with people than just, and concreters are quite bad for it, than just going in there going bang, 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 that's 50 square metres, that'll be X amount of dollars, I can do it on this date, catch you later. I prefer to go there. Look. I can't do it with every customer, obviously, because you do get customers that are that are quite difficult to deal with and stuff. Like you know, it's just a part of it. But I would rather go there, try and try and explain what's going on, and just try and try and make them feel comfortable with everything, and just just try and try and give them an if they don't know much about it, try and give them an idea of what we're what I'm trying to achieve, what it's going to look like, and how it's going to work. Be honest with them. Like sometimes there are things that I can't do. You know, they they ask for silly things, and you just go, I can't do it. Sorry. 
like don't just go, oh yeah, we we'll do something there and then do something completely shit that they don't like. You just yeah, you just got to be open, honest, and, and try and build that that trust by by being honest and trying to get them to understand what you're doing so they can sort of appreciate the job a little bit more and and and, and uh, you know once I once I gravel prep things. I'll get customers to come and have a look. I'll go, look, you're happy with the shape of it? Because generally gravel prep is the shape of your concrete as such. So, you know, I'll get them to I'll get them to have a look at it. Oh, we don't like that shape a little bit. All right, we can adjust it. No dramas. Like I'm fine with doing things like that. At the end of the day, I've always found that money comes and goes. That's It comes in, goes out, you get work, whatever. But re- reputation is much, much more important. A good job, a good reputation, good people skills, good, you know, all that kind of stuff bound in together is more important than what the the, the money factor is. So, yeah, I put a little pride and, and I really just try to get people involved. Even if they don't understand, I think they appreciate it a lot more if, if, if they can sort of get an idea or, you know, something, you know. They sort of understand a little bit more what's going on because you know, like I say, it's expensive. It's it's not cheap. It's not it's not like we're making hundreds of thousands of dollars. It's expensive. Concrete's expensive. Steel's expensive. You know, excavators, trucks, fuel. Yeah, everything that goes into it. It's all very expensive. So if someone's going to pay twenty, fifty, sixty, hundred grand for a driveway, you want to make sure it's bang on, and you want to make sure that the people are happy with the job that you're doing as well. Like it's you know their house. It's it's their money. It's got to be spot on. I've done a bit of work in careers um, with different people over the years and, and certainly students as well in the teaching capacity. And uh, it's interesting, one of the things that we are taught to talk about with students looking to go in careers or people that are looking to change careers is what are you passionate about? And I was just curious because I saw something online the other day and it got me thinking and it said something along the lines, it was a person talking and this guy was basically saying, look, passion has nothing to do with what you're doing. You know, do you think that somebody who hangs steel for a living is passionate about hanging steel? And I sort of thought about that and I thought, well, maybe like if they are hanging steel all the time or in your case, pouring concrete all the time, like maybe there is like a degree of passion there. Like maybe what he was saying was like completely like rubbish. But like, as you said, a lot of people go into these industries thinking, I'm just going to hang steel and I'm going to make good money or I'm going to pour concrete and I'm going to make good money. And that is their goal. Genuinely, honestly, what is your thoughts around this? Are you passionate about concrete? Or is there a balance there where it's a financial lifestyle situation more so? I love doing what I'm doing. I've done some really cool jobs over the years, you know, walls and stairs and, and different sort of things and stuff, which which is really good. It's nice to get a challenge. But, you know, even your basic driveway, you, you, can, you can turn, I, I, you know, it's not like landscaping or something where you can see big noticeable differences and stuff like that. But, you know, you can really, I, I personally, even when I did my house, I had a gravel driveway for for years you know they say tradesman house is never finished and it wasn't and just even at my house when I poured concrete at my house and put it down and did a really nice finish on it I was I appreciated that on my own level and I'm very passionate about it every job I do whether it be an exposed job whatever did a job the other day and as I was washing it off uh, just even washing it off I was appreciating what it was like I was just going, geez, that's nice rock. That's that's a nice job. I've done a good job on that finishing that. And yeah, on a personal level, I get a lot of self satisfaction, and I do. I really do enjoy what I'm doing. You have your days when you don't, 
don't get me wrong, there are days <laughs> when I sit back and go, what the hell am I doing? Why did I do this? It would be heaps easier being employed, but on a on a on a general basis, man, I, I do have passion for what I do. I, I do I do really enjoy it. I like I like seeing the satisfaction of a good job. I like seeing customers that are happy with a good job. Yeah, I'm I'm definitely passionate about it. I, I you know, there's probably a lot of people that aren't and see it as just a financial thing, just a job, you know, situational type thing. But no, I I, I appreciate what I do. I I always sit back after every job I do regardless and i'll generally have a beer or something and just go yep that's wicked we've done a good job there like that's Mm. i'm happy with that that's wicked what would be your top three pieces of advice for people that are looking to go out on their own and start their own business what are the top three things that you'd recommend that they do before they make that decision and or when they've made that decision don't do what i did and just go stuff this i've had enough Mind you, I made it work. Um, look, if you if you're serious about wanting to go out and do it, biggest thing I would, I would you you would have to ask yourself, am I ready to do this alone? And can am I capable of doing this alone? Am I capable of giving someone a twenty thousand dollar driveway, doing it correctly, doing a good job, organising everything, and being able to walk away and go, they're happy, I'm happy, everybody's happy. I would, I would seriously consider. Just making sure that you can actually do the job properly, if you know, like you know, if you know what I mean. Just make sure you're ready, I guess, because a lot of people don't, and they just they blow it. Um, three bits of advice: look, try and have some more money than what I did when I started, because yeah, I struggled for quite a while. It was pretty hard, but you know, the, the spontaneous of my decision as well kind of worked in my favour because I just went, well, screw this and didn't have a choice. But, yeah, yeah, look, get some good backing behind you. And uh, from a concreter's perspective or builder's perspective or, you know, plumbers or, or any sort of tradesman, just make sure you've got a good vehicle and, and you've got the gear, you've got the bulk of the gear you need to get started. It can be really, if you don't have the gear you need to get started, then you're going to find yourself working for nothing for quite a while um, trying to trying to sort of buy everything and you find yourself unprepared, unorganised, you're always running around going, oh, crap, I need this tool or, oh, crap, I need that or whatever. Yeah, gear gear and a vehicle. Vehicle's really, really important. You don't want to be going to, say, a poor day at, you know, you're driving up there at 5 o'clock in the morning to somewhere and your ute shits itself and then you've got concrete, you've got thousands and thousands of dollars of concrete on its way and pump trucks sitting there waiting for you and blokes sitting there waiting for you or something like that, so... Yeah, look, just just making sure you know what you're doing and you're ready to go as such, you, and you, you, you're 100 capable of doing what you're going to do. Having a little bit of finance there always helps, and the gear, definitely the gear. The gear's the important one. Without without the gear, you know, you, you're in a bit of shit really from the start. So awesome. just just being prepared, I guess. Dean, this has been a fantastic conversation, and I just wanted to to thank you for sharing this uh, really just grounded, down to earth advice and uh, your experience and your, a bit of your story there as well, a bit of your uh, backstory there into how you got started, and, and I guess a bit of the, a bit of your journey into to how DMD. Um, concreting's come to be for guys listening i can personally testify that uh dean came and did um some of my family concreting did a lovely exposed finish and every time i go up to that house i i, I walk on it and always think about um, what a great job and the shapes and everything that you, you manage with that so certainly uh can attest to a high quality That's product good. And uh, maybe we just appreciate you coming on and, and sharing your story. Where can people, if people want to get in touch and, uh, you know, employ your services, where should people go at a, as a first point of contact? Generally, I've just got, I've got a Facebook page, DMD Concrete and Construction. Uh, it's more of a, 
I guess you'd call it my shop front, I suppose. that's I put up all my jobs. I'm not a very good photographer, but I do try. But, uh, yeah, I, I, I put up, you know, photos and things like that of, of all my jobs. And, yeah, I've got some real broody beauties on there if you want to flick back and have a look through some, just out of interest even. Um, but, yeah, I've got my con- contact details on there. Generally, a phone call is best. Look, I do get busy, so if I don't answer, just leave us a message if, you, if you're interested in getting some work done. But, um, yeah, look, Facebook page, mate, it's pretty much pretty much where to find me. Dean, we uh, appreciate it, mate, and uh, certainly we'll leave all of that information in the show notes for the description of the episode. And uh, once again, Dean, thanks so much for coming on and uh, we uh, look forward to hopefully working with you again soon. Awesome. Thanks, man. It's been a pleasure. There you go, crew. My key takeaway from Dean was around the realities of waking up on day one of owning your own business. This really resonated with me, especially the need for long hours and dealing with administrative tasks that you may have never sort of dealt with before, managing the financial components of the business, handling client expectations and balancing the responsibility of ensuring the success of the business all really resonated with my own journey. And I think Dean just put it so eloquently and and really made me realize that at the end of the day, for anybody starting something, maybe you're listening to this and thinking about putting your foot forward and starting a dream, a passion, a hobby, something that you want to put forward uh, into the world. I think that reality of you being the driver and you having to drive that journey uh, is just a super important lesson. I think Dean's journey is also a testament to the possibilities that come with pursuing one's passion and, of course, taking the leap into entrepreneurship. Crew, if you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to like and subscribe on whatever you're listening to us on. And if you want to see what we all look like, head over to Instagram at Mr. T.M. Walters. You'll be able to see our ugly faces well speaking of myself however all of our lovely guests and anybody that we get on the show you'll be able to see talking we take key insights and post them onto at mr tm Walters on instagram for your viewing pleasure crew until next time have a fantastic week and we look forward to talking with you shortly